What is? What is? What is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. The light bulbs are going off in my head. <laughs> this is like deep. I just haven't thought of it that way. It's mind-blowing to me. I don't know if I've ever had anybody put it that plainly to me before. All this time I've been going to church, this never resonated with me. This is Transformed. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University and Certified Biblical Counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back to Transformed. My name is Dr. Greg Gifford and I am your host. And I just got back from filming our most recent season of Transformed. So keep an eye out for our third season where I had the opportunity to meet with individuals from all over the country and help provide resources for the problems that they were facing. Resources from God's Word, to be most exact. And it was a blast, honestly. It was such a great time to see the Lord use His Word and for people to, for the first time, hear about their life and hear about their problems through the lens of Scripture. It's so satisfying to me. So thanks for joining us. I'm actually embarking on new territories per some of your input. So I've had a few people ask about bitterness and the role of bitterness, thinking biblically about bitterness. When do we forgive? Uh, Do we forgive people that don't want to be forgiven? Those types of questions. So I'm going to actually start on a three-part series on bitterness and then finish with forgiveness. I've talked a little bit about forgiveness in our past episodes on conflict resolution, but the final part of this series, I'll do my best to help address some of the questions that come out of that, like, how do I forgive someone that doesn't want to be forgiven or they're not repentant? What what should those things look like? But let's start by getting our arms around bitterness and trying to identify what it looks like. So I'm going to just provide a definition And this is the definition based off the biblical use of the term, particularly in Ephesians 4.31, Hebrews 12, we see it used in Acts. So there's about four times that bitterness is used, and it means something like animosity, anger, harshness, or resentment. I'm convinced that you've experienced that, right? Where you are, you're kind of like low-key angry with a person. And you wouldn't necessarily say you're bitter. You would just say, look, I'm frustrated with them. That's the modern way we would say it. That's the modern way we justify our anger at times. I'm just frustrated with you right now. But what we really mean by that is we're bitter. uh, We're resentful of what you have done. Anger and harshness are often the opposite side of the same coin because you find that when you're angry with somebody, you're often going to be harsher toward them. You're frustrated. You're quick. Uh, you're very curt in your speech and just abrupt. When you're angry at somebody, it doesn't mean that you're exploding and yelling. Sometimes your interactions with them are just going to be super terse. And so they're like, whoa, what's going on? Like, you're not being loud and angry. You're just being very terse and cutting me off and abrupt in your communication. So that's this harshness that starts to come. That's bitterness. Whatever you're calling that, we're talking about bitterness. And and I find in our modern context, most of us misdiagnose bitterness and resentment as something else. Let me give you a few alternatives that I commonly see this as. I'm going to start with disappointed, just kind of disappointed in them or just kind of disappointed in how they treated me. 
And instead of saying resentful or bitter, because we know emphatically that the Bible connects the dots to forgiveness and me now harboring resentment as being something that's perilous to my relationship with the Lord, I would just say I'm disappointed in them. My esteem of them went down. And uh, when you're disappointed in a person, sometimes they don't even know that you have disappointed emotions or thoughts toward them, or they don't even know they've done something to disappoint you. So just think of practical relational engagements. It's like, well, you know, I I thought since I invited you that you would invite me. I'm just kind of disappointed in that. Or I'm just kind of disappointed in your seeming thoughtlessness. Internal disappointment in relationships is, it's borderline. You're almost there for resentment. In fact, some disappointment is in fact just another term for resentment because we're not saying I'm bitter at you. We're saying I'm disappointed and that's justifying my harshness, my anger, my coldness towards you. So whenever you start to think I'm disappointed in them, I thought they would do better. Then you have to begin to ask yourself, okay, am I actually resentful and am I calling it disappointment when I'm really resentful of them? So think of internal disappointment as one of those modern ways. Think of coldness or distance. Uh, When you are resentful and you're struggling to practice forgiveness, you almost always, and this is true for me as well, we almost always withdraw from that person. Have you ever realized that you don't lean into a relationship with someone that you have bitterness toward? It's like the human response. When we are resentful, we pull back. We get busier, quote unquote. We're unable to hang out just like we were in the past. Our schedule's exactly the same, but we tell them we're busy. We don't have time to get together. What does that mean? Well, it means that that coldness and that standoffishness is really us being bitter or resentful. So by me drawing back and being unwilling to talk about the issue, to practice forgiveness, I'm harboring bitterness towards you and I just start to avoid you. Honestly, you have to really check yourself and check your heart motivations when you do start to pull back from a friendship and you do start to pull back from a relationship that was good until that incident happened. Are you the one that is being bitter? Uh, lastly is, I just, I don't know how to call it or what to call it really. It's, it's like a, just a puffiness. And what I mean by puffiness is if you've ever had a cut and it gets swollen, it's like borderline infected, then you know that that sensitivity is really anything that comes along that touches it. It's it's now like you're touching kind of a wound. That's the puffiness that I'm talking about. I'm just going to call it puffiness or hypersensitivity. And I'll talk more about hypersensitivity here in our next segment. But it's where, you know what, everything you do now upsets me. Did you just breathe wrong? <sighs> yeah, I'm mad at you more. Why are you trying to annoy me? And in that, it's like, oh, hey, chill out. Like, I just took a breath. Come on. It's not so much my breathing techniques. It's the reality that I'm, I'm embittered at you. So every little thing that you do drives me crazy. How do you know that you're struggling with bitterness? Every little thing that person does drives you crazy. They breathe wrong. They, they blink wrong. They sat down wrong. How dare they sit down like that? They know they're not supposed to sit down like that. They combed their hair wrong. I mean, are you, are you tracking with me? This reality of like every little thing that you do now starts to frustrate and bother me. 
So how do I know I'm bitter? It's I'm greatly annoyed or perturbed. I'm puffy. Every little thing you do, I'm sensitive to. I begin to withdraw from the relationship. There's a coldness that's taking place. Or internally, I am just kind of like disappointed in you. I thought you would do better. You know, I taught you better. I raised you better. I invested in you. You didn't seemingly invest in me. That's the internal disappointment that takes place in relationships. And so uh, there are going to be times when people authentically let you down for sure. And you're going to have to work through practicing forgiveness and not letting that turn into bitterness and resentment toward them. So I don't mean that you'll never be disappointed in relationship. I just mean that, you know, when your internal disappointment takes place, that's also what we're getting at. That's something like bitterness. So why do people commonly experience bitterness? Can I share some of these? Because most of us know that bitterness and resentment are unhelpful to us. They rob us of joy. I was just mentioning this last week in counseling. Bitterness is like this cancer that really, it poisons us before it affects the person that we're struggling with. So why? Most of us know that it's not good. It doesn't honor the Lord. It's not even beneficial to us. But why do we often struggle with bitterness? The first thing that I would suggest is that those that struggle to worship control often struggle with bitterness. Those that that worship control, they struggle to take on more than what is theirs and to take on God's responsibilities. They are often individuals that have very high expectations of other people. So over time, people disappoint them and they're frustrated, disappointed, and embittered. I find that those that they love comfort, they love pleasure, like they're very quick to forgive, honestly. Uh, It doesn't matter to them. Those that are people pleasers usually are motivated to forgive because they want to be right with you and they want to have your approval again. They want to, but those that struggle with control, they're often those that struggle the most with bitterness. Why is that? Have you ever thought about that? Why? Because your expectations are often larger than what God's expectations are for people. So you're always disappointed. You're always frustrated. You're always let down. So why? Well, one reason is people worship control. Another is that people worship justice and they have a very high sense of what's right and wrong. And their moral compass, their conscience, that thing is huge and it has a conviction on everything. And there's always this cause to defend and a cause to advance and there's there's always something to protest. And a person that worships justice often feels the wrongs of this world in a very deep way. So unfair treatment greatly moves them and stirs them and frustrates them. So why do you struggle with bitterness and resentment so much? It's because you have this hypersensitivity to unfair treatment in the world. And if that happens towards you, you you don't just roll with the punches. It greatly affects your soul. So we need to take a break. I'm going to Uh, recap some of these when we come back, but thank you for joining us up to this point. When we come back, we're going to address some of the scriptures that pertain to bitterness and a few more reasons why we are prone towards bitterness. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. 
Alrighty, so we're about halfway through this episode of Transformed, and we'll be back with Dr. Gifford in just a moment as he continues to talk about bitterness. But before we do, I want to point you in the direction of a resource that we have available on our website on this very topic. It's a resource that will open your eyes up even more on bitterness if you're struggling with it. It's a book by Lou Priolo. It's titled, fittingly enough, Bitterness, The Root That Pollutes. Here's something that uh, Dr. Priolo says in the book that just kind of slapped me upside the head. What is bitterness? Well, generally speaking, it's a hurt. It's when someone hurts you. It's as if that person dropped a seed of bitterness onto the soil of your heart. At that point, you can choose to respond in two ways. Either you can reach down and pluck up the seed by forgiving your offender, or you can begin to cultivate the seed by reviewing the hurt over and over again in your mind. That's typically what I do. And Briello says bitterness is the result of dwelling too long on a hurt, and it's the indication that one has not truly forgiven an offender. This book is chock full of insights just like that, and it's a great resource for anyone struggling with bitterness. You can find it at transformed.org. Now, I also want to take a moment to talk to you about our ministry. When you're there at transformed.org, you can find out more information about Gospel Partners Media. But producing Transformed and all of our other resources takes a lot of time, effort, money, and staff. That's why we're asking if you would possibly consider maybe joining us in becoming a gospel partner and helping us to continue producing resources just like this. All of the information that you would ever need on becoming a gospel partner can be found right there at transformed.org. Finally, before we get back to Dr. Gifford, I also want to talk to you about training resources to becoming a biblical counselor. You can find those also at transformed.org. And one book I highly recommend, Scripture and Counseling by Bob Kelman and Jeffrey Forey. It's available at transformed.org. Now, without further ado and wasting any more time, let's get back to more of Dr. Greg Gifford as he continues to discuss the topic of bitterness. Welcome back to Transform. The world's definition of beauty is simply not found in the Bible. Instead, the Bible informs us that true beauty is defined not by this world, but by God Himself. Now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. Okay, welcome back. Thank you for continuing to listen. Today's episode is the first of a three-part series on bitterness. So far, I've said what we call bitterness in our modern times is often very different because we're going to use terms that really mean bitter, but we're going to say frustrated or disappointed. We're going to be cold and distant. We're going to be puffy. We know that's really what what bitterness looks like, and yet we're hesitant to call it bitterness, but that's really what it is. So I ended the last segment by saying, why? Why are certain people prone toward bitterness? Well, those that struggle with control and a worship of control, those individuals often struggle with bitterness because they have high expectations of others, and those high expectations are often not met. That's everything from spiritual expectations, financial expectations, relational expectations. The heart that struggles with justice and a desire for justice, and there's always a cause, also struggles with bitterness and resentment because they feel the wrongs of this world very deeply. And it, it's almost like they are compromising to not acknowledge the wrong and to address it head on. 
So as you're thinking of the heart, be asking yourself, what am I wanting that's driving me towards this frustration and this bitterness? What am I wanting? What am I wanting and not getting? And I think you'll find that most of you are not wanting these really heinous things, but you want your adult child to walk with the Lord. And so sometimes you're just, you're kind of puffy around them. You're cold because you're disappointed in them because they're not walking with the Lord and you clearly showed them how to do that, that you're in a friendship and your friend did not reciprocate in inviting you to their special occasion. And you're just internally kind of hurt and disappointed in that. Ask yourself what you're wanting in that moment, because that is it. That is the root issue. And bitterness is going to be the overflow and the manifestation of you not getting that thing, whatever it is. But I'm convinced for most of you, if you're wrestling with bitterness as you listen to this, you know about yourself that you struggle with control and you know that you struggle with a high sense of justice, which is going to affect your expectations of other people. So let me share with you a couple of passages that speak directly to this. I actually want to start in 1 Corinthians with the the explanation of love. So remember, Paul is actually putting forward love as extremely important, more important than using your spiritual gifts in the church if they're void of love, uh, more important than prophecy, that you could even give your life away and, and not have love and you've still gained nothing, is what he says in 1 Corinthians 13. So let me read for you the description here. It says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. First of all, verse 5, it's not irritable or resentful. You may even have a translation that says, not irritable and does not count up wrongdoing. Resentment is keeping track of wrongdoing. Bitterness is keeping record of wrongdoing. And biblical love is not irritable and it doesn't keep track of wrongdoing. The next part of this, verse 6, it does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. So think of the way love works, biblically speaking. Love does not have an internal list of all the woes committed against it. We have to begin to start by saying, look, that's not biblical love. That's not the way that it works. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongdoing. It's not resentful in that way. I want to cultivate a heart that is loving if I find myself struggling to keep track of all the wrongs that you've done to me. You're having to hear this. Listener, you're having to hear like some of us, we have an internal checklist of all the wrongs other people have done to us. It's like an Excel sheet with multiple tabs at the bottom. We could go by each person and say, well, they did this, they did this, they did this. But the reality is, guys, if we're doing that, it's not everyone else's fault. It's our fault. We have to be willing to say, well, that's not the description of biblical love according to 1 Corinthians 13. So whose fault is that? Honestly, that's my fault. That's my fault. My heart has to cultivate love. In our next episode, I'm going to address facilitating forgiveness. And one of those realities is that we have to cultivate a heart that is willing to bear with others. It is more loving by being willing to endure hardship with other people to include hardship they create. How do we grow in overcoming bitterness? We cultivate a heart that demonstrates biblical love. That's going to be one of the key ingredients here. 
In fact, you guys will hear me say this 2,000 different ways on our show and on this radio show and podcast, that when you have a heart that is embittered, part of the answer is not only to forgive, but part of the answer is to grow in love so much so that you just notice less. You know what I mean by that? Notice less. That you're so loving that less bothers you. There is a a professor here at Masters University, and he said this, and it was very profound. Uh, His name is Dr. Grant Horner, and he said, I want to be a man who is unoffendable in that he is so loving that nothing offends him. He's not bitter because he's not tempted to bitterness. I was like, man, that sounds awesome. Take me with you. Uh, Because as you grow in holiness and you grow in love, less should incline you to bitterness. Do you see? That's the 1 Corinthians 13 idea here. This is what I'll pick up more in our next episode. As you grow in love, less bothers you. So when everything bothers you, let's reverse this. That means you have to grow in love and you're being unloving. Why do I say that? Directly back to 1 Corinthians 13. It is not irritable or resentful. That is not the way that love looks. So, as a biblical foundation, we recognize that when I am resentful and bitter, I am not loving other people the way God has called me to love them. Next passage. All right, if you're driving, don't turn there with me. Focus on the road. But if you're not driving, grab your Bible. I always find it's helpful to see it. So, First, uh, first Corinthians 13 talks about the definition of love. Ephesians 4, verse 31 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. Okay, I brought up forgiveness here when we talk through conflict resolution in verse 32. Verse 31 bitterness. Let all bitterness animosity, that's anger, that's harshness, that's resentment. Let that be put far from you, according to Ephesians. There is no place for bitterness in your own life. There is no place for you as a follower of Christ to lack offering the forgiveness you have received to others. There's no place for that. Because, as we will see, what God in Christ has done for you as a Christian is so great that it mobilizes you to forgive other people. So put it away. The antidote is going to be kindness, tenderheartedness, forgiveness. When you and I are wrestling with bitterness, it's like we are this frozen, solid glacier, and we then have to be able to say, what's going to thaw that? What's going to thaw that? That's where I'm going to go in our next episode. How do I thaw a heart that is inclined toward bitterness? How do I facilitate forgiveness? Well, you have two hints here in the scripture. You have love, 1 Corinthians 13. You have forgiveness, Ephesians 4. If we're not careful, guys, let me warn you with this. If we're not careful, Hebrews 12, 15 says, that a root of bitterness can spring up and defile you and defile others. Think of a weed that sprouts in your garden. You don't pull that thing out by the roots. Other weeds come. It chokes out the life of plants and healthy trees. Before long, 
the root of bitterness chokes out spiritual life because it's interrupted your walk with the Lord. So in this way, if I don't deal with bitterness, I am in spiritual danger. Are you guys hearing me on this? This is the result of bitterness. This is the capstone. If I am not dealing with my bitterness, I am in spiritual danger. My relationship with the Lord and the way that I affect others is in peril because I have now this potential root that's taking ground, it's it's blossoming in my own heart, and it's going to begin to contaminate all of these relationships, friendships, jobs, all of those things around me. Why? Because I am unwilling to uproot my bitterness the way God has called me to. So key takeaways from today, make sure that you're asking the question of why am I better? What's What am I not getting and wanting? Uh, what am I wanting and not getting? Is it justice? Is it control? Do I struggle with high expectations of people? If I am being puffy, I just need to call bitterness exactly what it is. It's bitterness. And then let's start to think through the Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 13 models next time we get back together. So let me pray for you guys that if this is something you're wrestling with, that God would begin to do that thawing work in your life. Lord, I come to you knowing that there are many listeners to this program, first of all, and some of them are wrestling with how to forgive and how to interact with those that have genuinely wronged them. But not only that, but also there are those that are just wrestling with expectations of others that at times are just unrealistic and they're always disappointed. They're always frustrated and they are the one that is robbed of joy, not others. Would you use some of this time to help them, help them apply your word so that you would be honored and they would be set free from this bitterness that is potentially going to take over their soul if they're not careful, Lord. Use this time we pray in Jesus name. Amen. This has been Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford, a production of Gospel Partners Media. Our website, transform.org, is your central hub for finding in-depth information on all things transformed. If you've enjoyed Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford, consider subscribing and sharing with your friends. And also, prayerfully consider joining this labor of love by becoming an ongoing monthly Gospel Partner. Thank you for listening, and until next time, go serve your King.